Hello, everyone. Welcome to Faithbrook Church. I love that we get to worship together on site, online, and for those of you watching later, on demand as well. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike, and I'm the Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest with us this morning, maybe this is your very first time joining in or maybe you've been joining in for the last few weeks. Either way, I especially want to welcome you and thank you for taking time out of your weekend to join in. In fact, for those of you who are on site, go ahead and reach into the seat back in front of you and grab a blue connection card. Fill it out and you can drop it off into the giving boxes as you leave. You can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. Now, for every connection card we receive, two things happen. The first is we donate $5 to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a small way in which we can participate in local outreach and make a difference in our community. The second thing is I would love to follow up with you and thank you for joining in. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation. Well, today we have a great rest of a worship service as just in a few moments, we're gonna hear from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. But before we do, I did wanna talk about what's on all our hearts and minds in this season. With all the calamity and turmoil that's going on in Ukraine, we can only imagine the heartbreak and pain that they are going through. That's why for this month, we are partnering with Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. Nazarene Compassionate Ministries exists to help pastors and churches in struggling communities worldwide. And in this season, their focus is on Ukraine. There are pastors all throughout that region who are helping out. And one of them is Pastor Rafi, who's on the border of Poland and Ukraine. And he is helping to give out food, water, shelter, and a warm smile to Ukrainian refugees who are seeking refuge. Every dollar that we give goes to help support pastors like Pastor Rafi and those churches and communities to see that they can get the help that they need. Now, if you are wanting to be generous and partner with helping out, the best way to do so is through the Church Center app. You can download it in your app store and it takes just a few moments to set up. And when you do, you get to the main screen, go ahead and click on give at the bottom, and then you're gonna see a drop-down screen, and then you can make sure to tap on Ukrainian Relief. Another way to give is also through check or catch. There are giving boxes throughout the worship center, and you can also give online at faithbrook.church. Thank you so much for your generosity to help push our vision to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ, not just locally, but globally as well. Well, at this time, let's go ahead and welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Parenting in the 21st Century. Well, you know, one of the best parts about parenting is going to those wonderful teacher-parent conferences. Anybody been to those before or just experienced some of those, right? I, I have to admit, it makes me kind of nervous <clears throat> going into those different rooms and different teachers and seeing how your kid is measuring up and how they're doing and what they're going to say about your child, right? It's, it's kind of an emotional thing. And and if things are great, that's, that's good. I remember our oldest son, and they were saying, well, Mr. and Mrs. Comfort, uh, your son is pretty smart. He just he he's really good, gifted uh, reader. And uh, they'd say, you know, we've been thinking we have these gifted programs. And I'm thinking, why he's 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 gifted? My my kid, oh, gifted. And we think he ought to get it. Oh yeah, and it's pretty soon it's like, oh yeah, gifted. Yeah, my kid's gifted, right? That probably comes from me. Maybe her. That's probably her rather than me. Okay, but yeah, man, we are great parents. We rock, right? And then they come to sound like, well, now, now let's talk about some other things. Let's say the behavior, right? Somebody, the behavior? Is there a behavior problem? Uh, yes, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Comfort, you know. They, and, and the teachers, I love teachers. They got a hard job, big job, you know, and they, they just try to 
couch it really well. You know, your child's really social. What are you trying to say there, right? And sometimes he needs to be redirected, right? Oh, he does, right? And pretty soon you're like, oh my goodness, man, my, my problems, are, uh, my kid's a problem child. And all of a sudden, what's that look like on us? And we must be bad parents and why not? And then you're thinking, hey, and he needs to be redirected and wait till I get him home and we need to have this talk and hey, let's get it together. And you're just kind of up and down. Well, welcome to the jungle of parenting, right? It can be long and hard, and welcome to our series, uh, Parenting in the 21st Century. We have a lot to learn. A lot has changed. I want to welcome you online and here, right here in the worship center, especially you parents and, and grandparents today. Well, last week, we kicked off the series. I'll be talking about the two ideas of the ideal and the real, right? That God always wants the ideal, the best for our life, but he also realizes that the real shows up, right? And every day we're reminded of reality, that sometimes uh, things just don't work out. We realize that there's no such thing as perfect kids. There's no such thing as like perfect parents. There's no such things as perfect families. Even if you go to the Bible, you'd be hard-pressed to find this perfect model of this functioning family that did everything right. A lot of times we see in the Bible that reality is there. There's some disappointment and some, some collisions and, and problems. But God so loved the world and loved parents and loved people that he sent his son to our world to model for us. And Jesus would come with a new way, and he would call it a new covenant. Before it was salvation and to get right with God, you had to follow the laws and the rules, and you better get that straight, strict obedience. But Christ would come and say, there, the new way would be by my blood and it would be by my amazing grace and my love that would come from my blood on the cross, my love. So does that mean that, that God just threw away all the ideals, threw away all the laws and the truth? No, not at all. Jesus would always minister to people between the ideal of God's best and the real and he would do this with two giant, we would call them theological pillars. And that is the truth, what God expects, and his word of God we find in the truth, and his grace. And this can be applied to our parenting. See, Jesus never dumbed down the truth to make people feel better, but he never turned down the grace when people failed and there was disappointments and even sin. And we, we learned that these two pillars of truth and grace that help navigate between the ideal and the real can be applied to parenting. How do we do that? That we shoot for the ideal for our kids. We, we expect them to do their very best, but at the same time, they know their parents will be, have grace and love for them. Now, this week, we're going to look about some other principles and before we get into that, I want to just uh, share about a little <clears throat> study that I heard about and a book I heard about on a, on a po podcast by Focus on the Family. They were interviewing this author, Dr. Kara Powers, and she did a study in conjunction with the <clears throat> Fuller Institution about why certain kids uh, carry on their parents' faith and why certain kids did, do not. The study found that almost 50% of students who grew up in church, went to youth group, had a Bible, all that kind of stuff, did not continue on in the church, and some even maybe turned away, and they wanted to look at what happened there. 
and for especially those who continued the faith and had a relationship with Christ, what were the ingredients? What could make it sticky that that faith could be passed on to the next generation? You know, that, that was really hearkening for me. Maybe it's hearkening for you. Uh, it's a high priority in, in my life for my, our children to, to fall in love with Christ and, and carry on those, those biblical and, and personal values and convictions with Christ. So I was listening in there, and in her book, there, there's some ingredients that she, she shared how we can help our faith as parents to be passed on to our, to our children. But one of the things that really stuck out, she said, this is probably the biggest variable almost a secret sauce of having your faith be sticky to the next generation. That was, they found in the study that it was the faith of the parents really authentic and real. Authentic, real, genuine relationship with Christ. They found that a lot of times, Parents could just kind of put on a plastic religion, tradition, faith, that, that church was on the calendar. You know, they dressed right, looked right, maybe acted right on Sundays, but back behind closed doors, Monday through Saturday, it really wasn't a big deal. Uh, Christ was not brought up. There wasn't much um, influence of Christianity in their everyday life, but the parents that modeled a relationship. You know, they saw them praying or they were singing uh, uh, some, some phrase songs or they talked about some prayer requests or miracles or answer to prayers. That's what really was the sticky point of kids like, wow. Well, that brings up our main point this morning of parenting in the 21st century. That your parents' behavior, not their advice, determine whether you will want to be like them or be with them. It's not the parents' behavior or it is the parents' behavior, rather than their lecturing and their advice, uh, determining if your children are like, hey, I'd like to model that. I, I, I think some value in that. And even maybe later in life to hang around you. So if this is true, that it's more about your practices and the behaviors rather than your advice and your knowledge, uh, how can we find uh, ways and places in the Bible, especially to help us learn a behavior, learn practices that can be passed on, that can influence our children? Is there any places? Well, there's a really good chapter in 1 Corinthians that, that talks about God's brand of love. Um, we used to call it the, the love chapter of 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. A lot of times we we would share this at weddings, that this is how you should uh, show love uh, to your spouse as you get married, but also can really apply to parenting in everyday life as, as a Christ follower. So let me kind of set this up as Apostle Paul did. In the first verse of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he started this way. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clangy cymbal. In other words, man, if I, if I know everything and, and, boy, I come off so pious and holy, but I really don't have love, I'm just making noise. I'm not being genuine, and people pick that up. And so he goes down to verse 4, and 4 through 6, he gives some practical ideas of what God's brand of love is and maybe even what God's brand of parenting is. And he writes this, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Love does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. God's brand of love is, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, 
that always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's God's brand of love. So let's just kind of uh, dig down in the first verse here, verse four, and take it, look at it piece by piece. For instance, the first thing he says is, love is patient. Well, I would suggest to you this is one of the biggest challenges of being a parent, right? Of being patient. Sometimes our kids can, can get us <clears throat> very impatient, right? I remember my, my first child, uh, uh, he would just be uh, slow, and, and we would say he had two speeds, slow and slower. Let's go. We're moving out. What, what are you doing? Uh, 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 right. And before you know, we're being pushy. We're not being patient. You know, kids can can uh, uh, make it very inconvenient sometimes, right? We're, we're trying to do things. We got places to go. We got our own projects, our own responsibilities. And, and all of a sudden they get sick, right? Or they forgot their lunch. And can you come to school? And oh yeah, mom and dad, I forgot my homework. And you're like, what were you thinking, right? I, I, I heard a quote from Michelle and Les Hamilton many years ago. He says, parenting is not convenient, right? Parenting is not convenient. A lot of you parents say amen to that, right? And, and we have these, and before you know, we're, we're being pushy. We're not being patient. They start irritating us, right? And a lot of times we have these expectations, all right, I, we expect you to be smarter, faster, uh, to be more responsible. Maybe somewhere behind the scenes, we're, we're kind of controlling the outcomes, right? And we need you to do what we think and walk and behave the way we think. And when you're not, we, we get agitated and we get pushy. And sometimes, I know it's just a few of you out there, you can easily overreact, Right? Well, even God knows that parents have a, a disposition sometimes to overreact. Uh, in fact, he's told the Apostle Paul to write these words in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, this not only applies to fathers, but also mothers. Well, the exasperate means to, to provoke or to hound, to overcorrect, right? We're just on them and on them. You need to do this. I expect that, and you better. And it's, and it's over-the-top kind of parenting. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instructions of the Lord. And what's the main components of the Lord is that truth and grace, right? Yes, we don't dismiss the truth and our expectations, but we're, we're going to have some grace. We're going to have a, a little bit of care going on in their life. Remember, it's your behavior, not your advice, that's going to determine if your children want to be like you and even want to be around you. So are you bringing love to the table? Are you bringing truth to the table? Are you bringing grace to the table, especially when it comes to patience? Well, how do I, how do I become more patient? What can I do when my kids are, are not uh, keeping up and, and I get impatient? Well, here's just a couple um, suggestions. For instance, in the heat of the moment, some, some of the, one of the best things we can do is just step back and take a deep breath, Okay. All right, my kids are not picking up the toys like I thought. My kids are really slow helping at the table or, or the things at school and say, just relax, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. All right, let's, let's try to engage on a more calm level. 
We found in the comfort home that one of the best ways we can stay patient, if we give our, our children some, some warning, okay, we're leaving in 20 minutes, all right? Well, we'll say maybe 20 minutes early to, hey, do you have your backpack ready? Did you make sure you do this? Because we found that if we don't pre-teach, right, then all of a sudden, the heat of the moment, we're very impatient, we're personally, there's, there's conflict, maybe that happened this morning at your house coming to church. You, you never know, right? So can we pre-teach? And part of that is that being patient is to develop a rhythm in, and a plan in your home. There's all kinds of weekly demands and rhythms and times and responsibilities. So what are we looking at for our, each of our, our children? What time of uh, bed, right? Okay, we're going to be going to bed here in 30 minutes. Let's start our bedtime re- routine, okay? Instead of the last minute, you need to be in bed, and why aren't you in bed, okay? Let's, they just have this expectation that every night in our rhythms, sometimes we need to simplify our life, right? Instead of doing five different activities, maybe just one or two, so we're not always in a rush, and there's always not tension of time going on in our life. You know, for uh, our, our son, Logan, we, we have a list. We refer to the list. So we have a plan. All right. So this is what your expectations are every day when you come home from school or when you get up from bed before you go to school. Here's some things. Instead of having a debate and conflict all the time, we just say, hey, if you want your privileges, you need to do your list. They're on the refrigerator. How are you doing? Okay. And pretty soon we st- he starts realizing there's not going to be a big fight. This is what I need to do. And when you get those done, you're choice. We're going to talk about that more next week. You can have these privileges. And before you know it, there's a little bit uh, of, of quietness in the house versus all this pushiness and impatience. Now, I would also submit that a lot of times we're impatient when our kids are not measuring up to our dreams, let's say. So a lot of parents have this thought, this hope that my kid's going to grow up to be this kind of person, right? Maybe they're going to be an awesome uh, academic person like I was or an athlete or an artist. And when they're not taking on those traits or those interests or those habits, sometimes it's like, hey, I I don't like that. You you should have turned out this way or you're not uh, reading at this level or uh, improving at this level. And before you know it, there's a little bit of panic. There's a little bit of exasperation and overreach. And really, what we need to do is just kind of identify that, be honest with that. And some of the best things we can do to be more patient and grace-filled is just to release it to God, to wrestle it down and, and just have some private time with God and say, you know, Christ, I, was, I, I, I thought my kid was going to do this and be this, and they're not, and I'm highly disappointed. And you catch yourself just being pushy. And Christ wants us to accept them the way they are, right? And sometimes we have to radically release that to God, radically surrender and trust him with our kids. Maybe they're not going to pursue being the next doctor or the president or, or something or great athlete to say, okay, I, I'm going to just work with them and encourage them wherever they are at. See, they're watching you. They're watching our Demeter. Does it reflect Christ's truth and grace? Now, the second thing that, that Paul says about God's brand of love is to be kind. Now, this is pretty self-explanatory, right? We want our kids to be kind. We got enough harshness out there. 
So we try to teach our kids to, to respect others, right? To share their toys. That's a, that's a high value. How they treat their siblings, right? Are you being kind? Are you being mean? Don't be mean. Let's all be kind. But I'd say there's another layer of our kindness towards them, right? To build a healthy relationship of God's kindness towards them. Uh, Dr. Randall Schroeder, in his book, Effected Parenting, he says that parents ought to uh, lean into the three A's of kindness or relationship building, the three A's. The first one is just acceptance. So do our kids know that they are accepted of who they, they are? Maybe they're not the brightest. Maybe there's some, some struggles in their life, and, and they're like a school, I'm not very much accepted. Do they know at home, hey, you're accepted here. We, we love you. We, we believe in you. We're, we're fans of you. The second A is appreciation. Do your kids ever hear you saying, thank you very much. Thank you for picking up your toys. Thank you for being responsible, right? Some appreciation, not just demanding. And the third one is appropriate affection. Our kids need to see and feel appropriate affection. Um, that there is some times where we hug and we snuggle, right? Uh, for, for maybe fathers, there's it's a time of wrestling with their kids and tickling them and giggling them. And there's a safe, healthy, whole place where there could be physical affection and just sit on our laps and, and lean into us, right? And, and a lot of times it's building this trust in this relationship of, of kindness that they, they trust our parents. They feel safe around their parents. And it takes some time. I've noticed that some parents, they build this kindness in this relationship by just maybe sometimes getting in bed with their children and reading a book together. It's just mommy-daddy time, right? Or mother-mommy-daughter uh, time and just reading some books and cuddling. Sometimes there's daddy dates that you're special where I want to hear your heart or what's going on. Sometimes it's meals. I know at our house, it's, meals are sacred. We're turning off the TV. <clears throat> we're putting down their phones, and this is where we're going to interact. What's going on in your day? And tell us your story. And how'd you feel about that? And some quality time of building that relationship. It's so important. One of my heroes in my life is a man named Hal Perkins, and he wrote the book, Parenting Like Jesus. And in his book, Parenting Like Jesus, it wasn't so much about obedience and behavior and rules. It was about how can we get our children to, to be motivated by our values. And he says Jesus was a master at, at communication by asking questions that people come to, to their own self-discovery. And he, in his book, Parenting Like Jesus, he's talked about, especially as a teenager, that he would, uh, on purpose, uh, find some drive time with their, his, each of his kids. So in these private times where they're captured in his car, let's take a, a long errand, right? This is a time to ask some questions and to see if they, he could, oh, quote, open up their heart. Not so much of, of, of incidences or behavior, but how'd you feel about that? And what do you think about that? And, and ask permission sometimes. Would you mind if, if you, would you like to hear what I think about that circumstance or what your friend did or, or you did? Uh, what do you think Jesus thinks about what happened last week or even the behavior or, or decisions in your life? And before you know it, it's not this harsh lecturing words of knowledge, right? But it is opening up that they can trust. And before you know it, they trust this parent, this relationship, and the values are being passed on, becoming very sticky. 
Now, what can threaten that a lot of times is this, this value of reputation, right? That, that our reputation and what our kids do or don't do is, is so important to us, right? So if our kid's an all-star and they're shiny and they're, they're awesome, they make mom and dad look so good. And before you know it, that, that starts rising, that that's the prominent um, value rather than a relationship. And when our kids disappoint us, maybe embarrass, all of a sudden, man, you're threatening our family's reputation, my reputation. You're making us look bad. Uh, one of the, the notorious um, people groups that fall into this is pastor's kids. You know, you know all about those pastor's kids, right? They're just oh, pastor's kids. My wife used to say, yeah, because they hang out with all the layman's kids, right? Uh, these pastor's kids, and there's this, this, this spotlight on this pastor's kid, and, and man, if the pastor's kid screws up, and then that, that reflects on the, the pastor, and, and all of a sudden you can't do that, and the trust and the relationship is broken. I'll never forget, maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, I heard Andy Stanley say this. He says, relationship has to be more important than reputation. Aha moment, right? That we have to guard that relationship, even though our kids can disappoint us and embarrass us sometimes, that that relationship and that trust is what's going to carry on rather than that incidence or that embarrassment that you might uh, receive sometimes. So this kindness, love is kind. Now, Paul makes a, a pivot in his verbiage here. Instead of it saying what love is, he kind of describes what God's brand of love is not. And that not brand of love is components like envy, boastfulness, and pride, right? So have you ever been around parents that are a little bit uh, prideful and stubborn and they kind of know it all? Have, have you ever been around parents that are just very uh, uh, boastful about their kids? Oh, my, my child, my daughter, she's everything, man. I just, they're, they're the greatest, right? Or envy, uh, jealousy. I think there were a couple of years ago, there was a reality uh, show called uh, Dance Mothers, D Dance Moms, right? Did you ever see that, man? You talk about all three of these, right? Boastful, envy, jealousy, pride, man. It was just cat fight after cat fight, and my girl, and this and that, and my friend. Man, I mean, it's like, whoa. I mean, that's just, that's just hallmarks. That. And, and frankly, sometimes our, our kids kind of... Um, provoke the, this, these traits that are not of God, right? We find some underneath insecurities and issues in our life. And before we know it, it has to do with our kids. We're, we're lashing out. We're being envious. We're being prideful, right? What's going on inside? We have to be aware of that. I caught myself uh, doing, uh, maybe uh, getting a little provoked uh, the other day at a basketball tournament. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is help coach my, my son's basketball teams and see these kids develop, and, and, and that's really fun. He, he, he loves basketball, and, and so I'm just an assistant coach, and we're in this tournament, right? And, and uh, I just didn't think that the referees were doing a very good job because they were allowing, allow fouling. And then my son's driven around, and people just hacking on him, and, and it's like, hey! That's a foul, right? I'm barking at him, right? And they're doing nothing. My kid's, he's, he's getting mad and upset. And I'm, I'm, and, and now I'm, I'm, ready, I'm just ready to lose it, right? And uh, I'm getting all engaged. And the fans and the parents are yelling. And, and so there's a timeout. 
And, uh, and so I said, yeah, I just need to keep it together here a little bit, right? And I need to have a conversation with these referees. So I just, excuse me, Mr. Referee, can you help me understand why you're allowing others to beat up my kid, right? What, what's going on there? There's contact, right? There needs to be some foul. Well, sir, you need to settle down. You just go sit down, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was, it was an ugly game. We lost. And oh, yeah. so we're trying to get it together after the game and walk, walking off. All of a sudden, this, this parent rushes up to me and says, Pastor Comfort, way to, uh, way to um, talk to those referees. I'm so glad that you confronted those referees. And I'm like, who, who are you, right? I don't even know who you are. And how do you know I'm a pastor, right? And it really embarrassed me when she called me Pastor Comfort. And it's like dawning on me. I was like, oh, my actions, people are watching. They even know I'm a pastor. And I'm just barking and yelling at these referees. And now, praise God, I didn't go over the top. I did not lose my cool hallelujah right but really i'm like they're watching people are watching it wasn't what i was saying it was my actions my reactions this team is watching me my son is watching me how i deal with things that frustrate me that anger me see it's more than my words and my advice it's my behavior that's going to influence and how do i handle that and even people around me kind of took me off guard well it really kind of shows us that sometimes we got stuff going on inside that we need to deal with. It's not so much that, that our, our children's behavior, a lot of times it's our insecurities, our behaviors that needs to be addressed. And just because we have children doesn't mean that, and just because we're adults, doesn't mean that we don't need more developing and growing ourselves. So who's parenting us? Who's discipling and helping us to get whole and healthy? And so we don't always melt down and freak out and have uh, uh, ugly, ungodly components like envy and jealousy and prideful and anger and boastfulness. See, I think a lot of times we don't realize that inwardly we, we have some issues that we have to address if we want to have, be a better parent. I got a kick out of a, a quote the other day that said this, to my teenager who loves to argue about everything, just where do you think you inherited your attitude and stubbornness from, right? So like, oh, maybe our kid's behaviors came from our behaviors and our security. So the next time you might catch yourself being envious, uh, maybe catch yourself being proud or stubborn or angry, ask yourself, where's that coming from? Is there something underlying all this that, that is bugging me? Is there some tension in my life, in my heart, in my soul? Maybe it comes from my past that needs to be woken up and addressed and healed and dealt with. Because a lot of times we're not self-aware of what's happening inwardly, but before we know it, we're acting outwardly, and the cause is ourselves, not so much our children's actions or behaviors. And I would also suggest that this unhealthiness seeps into our marriages, right? Before we know it, we're at each other's throats, and we're not on the same page when it comes to parenting. You see, maybe we, we, we have some fears that our child's not going to like us and they're mad and they're going to throw a fit and so we don't discipline, we don't follow through or, oh, right? And then this parents is like, no, we need to stand strong and maybe they're more over the top and they're maybe too tough, right? Next thing you know, you're, you're not liking each other and our kids sniff that out. They're like, man, mom and dad, <laughs> they don't, they're not even on the same page. And so they play us, they manipulate us, they split us. They're pretty smart little 
creatures, right? And if we don't come in with a united front, and the problem is, is we don't have our marriage together sometimes to have our parenting together. And a lot of times that's because down deep, there's some stuff that we haven't dealt with. We're expecting our spouse to see it our way and, and vice versa. Rather, maybe we just need to calm down. Maybe there's some insecurities that cause our passivity and our fear. And maybe it's because we're angry at something happening at work or, or something in our relationship and, and we're mad and all of a sudden we're, we're just too harsh on our children and, and we, we uh, act out on it. Could it be that it's on the inside rather the outside? And before you know it, this, this behavior bubbles up and that your behavior determines your influence and our kids are watching, and that's what's going to influence them the most, that they want to be like us or even hang out with us later. So what's happening there? Well, when I, when I saw this study, and, and she talked about, hey, is your, is your behaviors and your faith real? Uh, Dr. Powers, when they're talking about sticky faith, I had to think about what am I passing on my kids? What, what are they seeing? Is my faith real? Oh, sure, I'm a preacher and I got a title. Uh, but behind the closed doors, do they see me loving Christ? Do they see him being authentic? Will they want to be like me and, and with me later? You know, I thought about my own life and I started reflecting about my parents and how they influenced me for the good and the bad. And I started thinking about that. I was like, well, and I remember my, my family, my parents trying to raised three kids and a squirrely little kid. I was the, the last one. And, and they went through teacher-parent conferences and, and uh, some issues. And, and I, I remember them struggling with putting food on the table. And the economy is up and down and trying to keep their marriage together. And, and, and were they outlandish? Were they dysfunctional? You know, and I would admit that they did a pretty good job. Now, were they perfect parents? Were they perfect Christians? Uh, no. Uh, did I see them just having this awesome marriage that really was a priority and they were just uh, together? Not, not necessarily, right? Uh, was there some frustrations in parenting? Yes. But probably the biggest ingredient that was passed on was their relationship with Christ that was genuine and real. And, and what stuck, what, what imprinted on my soul? I think one of the, the major things that imprinted on my soul is like, like they would pray for us. So I, I remember many times uh, going to bed, they turn off the lights and my sister's bedroom's right next to mine. Our doors were open in the hall and their master bedroom was over her, here and their door was open. And, and I would hear my dad and mom praying out loud uh, to God and for us. I don't know if they knew we were asleep, but I wasn't asleep. I was just a little seven-year-old, eight-year-old. And I'm hearing my dad and mom pray, calling our names that God would just uh, protect us and help us and keep our hearts soft. And one day we'd have a relationship and, and would you help them and grow and stuff? And they're praying when they're tired for us out loud. That, that stuck with me. That embedded deeply in my life. I remember the importance of church and that's for, that was God, right? And let's get up. We're, we're going. I don't want to go. We're, we're going. And, and church was their social life. They, they volunteered. They engaged and, because God was important. And, and that value to me, next thing you know, I, it became important to me. And my social life came, started coming through the, the youth group and people loved me there and accepted me. It was my, it was my happy place, right? And, and there was a time where I finally fell in love with Jesus, made a decision myself. I remember getting older and teenage years, college years, I'd come and go and 
About that time, cable TV came around and the living room started lighting up with media and, and we'd be in there. But my dad, would, he'd be off into what they called a family room. It was kind of the quiet special room. And there, there was his Bible and his devotional book. And he would kind of escape while everybody else was doing their thing in front of the screen. He would go over there and sit by himself and he'd be praying. And he'd be reflecting. And half the time I'm like, well, that's boring. Why, why are you doing that? Let's go, Dad. It's the party things to do, Right. But he took his private time and modeled that for me. He didn't lecture me on that. He didn't teach me about that. Right? I just saw him do that, and that, that imprinted down deep. And so, hey, now I'm this preacher guy, and I'm uh, this dedicated Christian guy, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, that, that wasn't a big leap for me. Why? Because I saw it genuine in my parents. And so when it came to my decision, if I wanted to carry that on, I saw a good example of that. I saw a healthy example of that. It wasn't fake. It wasn't plastic. It, it was real. And I saw the benefits. So I was like, probably it's easier for me to say yes to Jesus and start a new life with him because it was modeled. It was that part. So, so the question, the hard question sometimes, are we doing that? And I just wanted to take a moment to help us kind of reflect and, and deal with some, some tougher inner issues in our own personal life. You know, if we went to your children and, and asked them, hey, do your, your parents, what does their behaviors, their demeanor reflect? Is it, is it Christ-like or is it just selfish-like? They got to be the boss. They got to be in control. Uh, is it genuine? Is it real? What, would your kids describe you as pushy or, or patient? Would your kids say, yes, my, my parents are kind to me. They they want to invest in a relationship with me, and they take some time for me to hear my heart and what's going on in my world, right? What if we realized that it wasn't so much the, the obedience part, the discipline, the behavior part, but, but it was the, the things that we bring to the table. It wasn't so much about what our spouse is not doing for parenting or doing, but it, it's some of the insecurities and the issues that I'm bringing towards that relationship. Maybe I'm, I'm too scared of consequenting my kids or following to my kids because they might not like me for a day or two, right? Where, where does that come from? What's, what's going on inside of me? Could it be possible that, you know, we could be so calm and whole that we go to a teacher-parent conference and maybe there's a, a bad report. Maybe... Um, there's something not good that could be embarrassing, but we're not going to melt down. We're going to be, you know what? I'm, I'm okay. Christ lives within me. We're going to continue to push for the ideal, the best. But at the same time, my, my kid needs some grace, and we're going to have a talk, not a big lecture or, or punishment coming down, to share with them, man, I love you. I believe in you. I want the best for you, but, but I have to be whole. I have to be real. So in this message this morning, it's really not about techniques of being a great parent, of, of patience and kindness. It's really about the core of who we are as parents. Are we healthy? Are we whole? So I'm going to ask you just to kind of close your eyes and do some self-reflection this morning. You know, when it comes to, to patience, how patient are you? Are you pushy with others? Maybe over demanding, always needing to be in control. How's your kindness? 
would, would, you, would you maybe discover that sometimes that you're the center of your world and sometimes you're selfish, you want it your way and your kids need to evolve around your dream and your aspects, your desires, rather than just kind of surrendering and releasing them so you could focus on theirs. More importantly, how, how's your relationship with Christ these days? Maybe someone would say, man, it's kind of dry. I've been so busy, been focused on all these other shiny things, and I haven't spent any time hardly with Jesus. And maybe that's the reason why we overreact sometimes. Maybe that's why we're, we're pushy. Maybe that's some way where we're stubborn because we just haven't taken time to process the, the, the ugly things in our life, the threatening things, the ungodly things, and just let God heal us, <laughs> redirect our soul, our priorities in our life, that when we get around our kids, we get around others, they know that something has been healed, something has been made whole in our lives. So maybe if, if you feel like we need to get a little deeper today, I just want to encourage you to, to pray with me. I'm, I'm going to kind of direct us in a prayer. So this is a time of searching. Would you have the courage to let God search your heart, to be honest with God, let him be honest with you? Maybe it's a time of confessing. Jesus, I realize that there's been some ugly things that have been bubbling in my soul, in my thoughts. Sometimes it creeps up on how I interact with my children and others around me, even my spouse. God, I, I need to repent of them. Would, would you forgive me? You know where I've crossed lines. You know what I'm dealing with, God. Fears, anxiousness, insecurities. I need your help. I need you to forgive, heal, infuse me with your spirit and your love that I can live by the basis of, of your, your presence in me. I don't have to panic. I don't have to fear. I don't have to overreact. I can be a person of patience, of grace, of truth, of love and kindness, but I need you to forgive me. I need you to put your spirit in me. Maybe this morning there's a parent here that says, man, I, I need to have a conversation with my child. I overreacted the other day. I did not come off Christ-like. Maybe they saw me react to someone on the phone, maybe a neighbor, maybe a referee, maybe to them. Maybe that's the best thing that God is calling you to do is just say, man, I'm sorry. That wasn't what, that's not the best. Would you forgive me? I love you. Dad and mom is still in process. God is always tweaking me and calling me, and I want to be the best Christian I can, and I, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Maybe that's what our kids need us to see, that behavior right there. Maybe someone online, maybe someone in the house today has been far from God. You haven't been paying attention to God, but God is calling you back home, and 
God is asking you to trust him with your sins, your unrighteousness, your failures, and ask him to come in your life and just by saying, yes, Jesus, I want you to in my life. I say yes to you today. <clears throat> I repent, I confess, I surrender. I want to say yes to start a new life. See, my friends, it's, grace is not about fixing the past, but starting from the new. We might not be able to redeem things in the past with our kids, but we can at least start reflecting God's love and grace today and forward. And that starts with letting him heal our hearts and ask him to come into our life and to let him lead our life and even our parenting. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, God is faithful and trusting to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If you said yes to him today, maybe for the first time or in a long, long time, receive that. Receive his grace. Maybe you said, God, I need to recommit my life as a parent to put you first. Receive that. He's for you. Let's go. Let's learn. Let's improve from the inside out. This morning, if you said yes to Christ, I'd like for you to do a courageous thing by reaching out to, uh, in front of you in a pew, we have these red cards. It says a next step card. And on there it says, today I've decided to, and there's two options, to follow Jesus for the first time or recommit my life to Jesus. Man, I think one of the things that we need to do for ourselves is to let God know that, hey, I'm serious about this. Maybe online you said yes to Jesus and there's, there's, a, there's a hand that you can hit the button to and it's just raising our hand. Say, God, I said yes to you today. I wanna to start over. I wanna put you first in my life and we push that button and today. We'd love for you to write your name and, and check off one of these. And on your way out, we have these offering boxes. You can slip that in. And what you're saying to yourself and what you're saying to God, it's like, man, I'm serious. I said yes to Jesus. And we're going to collect those and be praying for you. Said, hey, this person said yes to Christ. We might contact you and say, man, we're praying for you. If you need any help, we want to coach you to be a successful Christ follower. So why don't we, we stand this morning together and we'll close in a, in a prayer. Gracious God, we're so thankful that we're praying to a heavenly father, a father that created us, that believed in us, has a plan for us. And you've been watching us through our whole life. And unfortunately, God, that we have fallen away. We have drifted away to our own ways, God, but you never gave up on us. And you had your arms wide open. And God, you, you want us to run to you. You're not gonna just scold us and push us off. You're gonna help us repent and say, let's, let's start over. Let's say yes to you. And God, through your word and your truth and your ideals, you're going to encourage us and guide us into the best possible ways to be a great parent, a great Christ follower. And hopefully we can pass that on and instruct our children and our young people in that way. We thank you, God, for being a God of truth and a God of grace. We need you. We thank you for the lives that started new today. And we're going to just ask it and dismiss in your great name of Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. And everyone said, amen. Well, God bless. I hope you come back next week for part three of Parenting in the 21st Century. Thanks for viewing us today. You're dismissed. <laughs>